right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, the work you're doing in our church. We thank you as well that we get a chance to gather together in your name. Uh, Father, we thank you for our time of being able to worship and sing to you, God. We, we pray that the rest of this time would just be a focus on you and enjoying you and enjoying your presence and knowing that we have the, the name of Jesus, uh, that he is in our life, that he is still a personal God. And so, Lord, we pray that this time would really be not about jumping into our finances, but this would really be about getting closer to your heart and knowing you more and being intimate with you and that you really are a God that you incarnate yourself, meaning that you move into our neighborhood and want to get to know us. You come into our life and you truly are a relational God. And so God, much of what we are talking about are aspects of a relationship. And so let us not lose that in all that we are saying. And then at the end of this time, Lord, at the end of this series, let your name be made more known. Let us be more intimate with you. Let us be closer to you. Let us examine our hearts and examine our lives. And then in the end, Lord, in the end of this series, in the end of this message, let us focus more on you. We ask this in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. All right, good to see everybody. Um, uh, by way of announcement, uh, before we get into the series, uh, I want to let you know that uh, this upcoming Saturday that we do have a cookout. And so that's what I wanted. I was anticipating that. We have a cookout this Saturday at Fort Greene Park. And so I do believe we already have food there and we already have volunteers. But uh, if you do have any questions, please see me and there'll be others that you can talk to. The cookout, my understanding, is from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m., that's 1 p.m. Um, hopefully everybody's on time. We have a really good time and we have some fun. All right. Now, um, we're going to talk about money for four weeks. OK, uh, and it's good to see so many people not here. <laughs> they probably saw it and they were like, I'm, I'm going to take this week off Labor Day. Uh, but uh, no, we're, we're going to jump into that. And uh, I, I really the reason why we're talking about the cash rules. Um, this series is named that primarily because obviously when you say it, you know that cash does rule, right? And people start thinking about old hip hop songs. But when you think about, when you think about uh, money, it does rule many of us in terms of our affections and our emotions. Right now, many of us are thinking about rent. Um, we're, we're thinking about uh, paying off loans. Um, many of us are trying to have a savings, if that's even a word in our life, right? But we're trying to make ends meet and we're trying to have a little bit more, right? And then it, it affects us emotionally because we're afraid when we don't have it and we're happy when we do. And so our hearts and our minds in many ways are ruled by cash. And yet this series... When you think about it, you know, this series really isn't just about cash ruling. We're not going to just examine how cash rules the world. But this series is more than a, a temporal view. Think about this. When you come here, hopefully you believe 
that God, that there is a God. If you don't believe that, that's fine too. But if you do believe that there is a God, and you do believe that he is the creator of heaven and earth, then that would mean that he is the architect of life, that he is the builder of life, and that he has a blueprint for life. And if God is the architect of life in all things according to it, then he then is the architect of life according to our finances. He has a blueprint for our life holistically, and he has a blueprint for our money. If he has created money, he has rules for it. He has a plan for it. And so really with this, I heard this is called the double entendre, that really when we say the cash rules, well, obviously we're saying that cash rules many people's minds, but what we're gonna talk about are cash rules, ways to manage your money and be a good steward over your money, principles from God's word, so that we can be in a position where we know we are honoring God in our finances. All right, so with that being said, I, I want to just lay down some imagery in our minds before we start talking about money in particular. I just wanna talk about life for a second um, and just talk about some laws, some ways that life works. First and foremost, money, <laughs> money follows the law of the harvest but not necessarily the law of Pinocchio. All right, now, does anybody remember Pinocchio? You do, I think we have an image of Pinocchio there. Pinocchio was the a little doll that was created, and then whenever Pinocchio lied, what happened? His nose would grow. And so immediately when he lies, he sees the consequence. Wouldn't that change the way you do things? Like if you, if, you, if you were looking at something you weren't supposed to look at and your eyes just changed colors or they fell out your head, or if you touched things that you weren't supposed to touch, your hands grew or fell off. In other words, if you had immediate consequence every time you did something you weren't supposed to do, you would adjust your life. But the fact of the matter is, is that money does not work that way. There aren't immediate consequences oftentimes for the way that we deal with our money. In fact, the way that money works is very much like the law of the harvest. The law of the harvest is you reap what you what? What you sow. So when you sow something in the ground, when the, when the sower sows, when the farmer sows the seed into the ground, he waits patiently for the harvest to come. And that means that there could be someone who did not reap did not sow, they didn't put any seed in the ground, and then there's a farmer who puts seed in the ground, and for a season they look exactly the same. They have nothing. And so for us, here's one of the challenges that we have to deal with. If I was doing this series in another location, I might deal with other issues, but one of the biggest challenges that many of us have grown up with is not a good understanding of consequence when it comes to finance that consequence has been delayed. And so we use money easily and tritely, and we don't really see what happens, the immediate effect. Let me be clear. There is a reason why a rent-a-center is in Flatbush and it's not in Manhattan. The reason why that is the case is because there are people who have more money that live in Manhattan that don't think they have, a, they have more of a harvest mentality. They've seen, they've seen money take time and grow. 
But if you've never seen that harvest, if you've never seen a lot of money, if you've never been around wealth or anything like that, you may have the mentality that you want to get rich now or you want money now or you want to look like you have money now. And so what happens is they'll have you paying for a $2,000 flat screen TV for like seven years and you end up paying more like $7,000 on it with a lot of interest. But the reality is that that happens because there are people who want that American dream. They want immediate, they want an immediate American dream. And so people are trying to live with great riches, but on low income. And it's because they don't understand that principle of the harvest. Now, let me just be clear. Half of this world lives in poverty. Our world that we live in is 7 billion people. 3 billion people live in poverty. I believe the statistics are that, that three, more than 3 billion people live on 250 per day. And of that 3 billion, 1.3 billion live in extreme poverty of $1.25 a day. So you may not think you're rich, but there is someone across the globe that if they were living your life, they would say you have plenty. The reason why I'm saying that is because this series is not about how to get you more money. This series is about getting you to manage the money that you have so that you would be a faithful steward over whatever God has you doing so that we won't have this urgency because sometimes much of what the church does is they start focusing on getting you more money. And some of you may have come from a church like that or you watch somebody like that on TV. And so churches tend to either don't talk about money at all or they talk about it too much. But we are not going to put a theological picture of the American dream. What we're going to do is we're gonna talk about how to manage the money and it doesn't, if you're just trying to make rent, praise God, then we're going to get you to manage the money that you have. If you're in abundance, praise the Lord on that. Then we'll have you to manage that. But our heartbeat would that you'd be a more effective steward of what the Lord has given you. And again, you, you probably have more than you could possibly imagine. One other thing I want to say before we jump into the scripture. When you live without spiritual principles, according to your finances, it tends to create relationship problems. Not just relationship with God, but relationship with others. I've been doing um, ministry now since 1998, and a lot of the couples that I'll meet with, the number one argument they tend to have is around money. It tends to be around finances. In fact, statistics show that the number one, and oftentimes the number two reason why, two reason why people get a divorce is around finances. It's around money. And so, this ends up being a big argument, but this is what's crazy. The issue of money oftentimes isn't because they don't have enough. It's because they have a disproportionate lifestyle to what they actually have. So what ends up being the case is the wife is concerned about the future and she wants to save while the husband often wants to go out just to hang with the boys and just spread money and use his card like it's really cash or it's vice versa, but there tends to be this huge argument around how much money they have. And what it leads to is someone making secret financial decisions without the other person knowing it. And in the end, there leads to all types of mistrust and there's a cancer in the relationship because they don't know what each other are doing when it comes to money. And so money can cause all these different issues. And then 
The other side of this is some of you may not have that issue of debt or you may not have money problems. But if you don't live with, the, if you live without spiritual principles when it comes to money, what could happen is that you could find yourself hoarding and you could find yourself greedy. And then it, you, you know how to get, but you don't know how to give. And so that's the other side of this. And so, and oftentimes people who don't have any kind of rules or laws that they live by spiritually, just do whatever they feel when it comes to their finances. And so, again, this will give us some framework to deal with. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was, you know, I work on a college campus and a guy came up to me and said, what you preaching on this Sunday? I said, I'm talking about money. And man, he was just shocked. He was like, you gonna talk about money in church? I was like, I, I am. I'm going to talk about money in church. He was like, you know, you can't, you know, you got to be careful. I was like, why? He was like, because Christians don't like to talk about money. You know, so you got you to be careful because you don't want them to think that you're selling something, you know, on TV late at night or, you know, you don't want them to, you know, you just got to be careful. And I was like, well, what if God said something about money and I repeat it? Like, in other words, what if I just say what he says and explain it? He was like, well, that's true. I said, so why do you think people are so afraid? He says, I guess, I guess they don't trust motives. I guess they don't trust the motives of the people preaching. And so there may be a level of trust that you have to have throughout this series to know that the end game is not that you're just, I'm just wanting you to give more to the church. <laughs> that may, I may need to just say that. But I am going to challenge you to give. Praise God. <laughs> because God says that. You see, I'm just going to repeat what he says. And so the reason why there are issues around money is because people pick and choose certain parts of Scripture that they want to just talk about for their own gain. But if we talk about everything that God says, then really we're just going to repeat what he has to say. And our agenda will be his glory and his story and his fame and not anything like our budget as a church. So you're going to have to trust that. Now, here's something to keep in mind, that um, if God has said something about money, then there could be the case that there is a relationship with your devotion to God and how you handle your money. Okay? God says that, then there, that could be the case. So not talking about it, could maybe help me so that you think I'm a cool, swell guy, but it may affect your relationship with God by not talking about it. So it's important that we put that out there. Now, here's to note, Jesus says so much about money that when you account for all the things he says about finances, he says more about money than heaven and hell combined in the Bible. So he has something to say about it. So we're just going to repeat it. All right. Just going to repeat it. I'm going to say what he says. If there is a relationship between our use of our money and our devotion to God, how can we tell? How do I know? Okay, I want to read a scripture for you. I'm going to repeat what he says. Here we go. Ready? Y'all ready? I see the anticipation, the excitement. Here we go. Matthew 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, Consider this, when the Bible talks about your heart, it's not 
necessarily talking about the physical organ on the inside. That's part of it. But, you know, if you've used the phrase, let's get to the heart of the matter, or I have a job, but my heart's not in it. You know, you're talking about the very center of your affections and your passions. It's about who you really are. And so when we get to the heart, we get down to the, to the very essence. Your heart is very much who you are. And so if that is the case, then when he says where your treasure is, your heart is, then by looking at your treasure, that means I could see your heart. My daughter one day, Faith, we were playing around, and uh, she said, you know, I wish I could see the inside of people. She said, that would be so cool, like if you could just see inside of them. I said, you can. She said, how do you do that? I said, there's a thing called an x-ray machine. She was like, how does it work? I was like, well, you just go underneath it, and it goes beyond your skin, goes to your bones, and you can see inside of people. She said, get out of here. I said, yeah. She says, man, that's amazing that you could just, you could get past all that other stuff. Here's the problem by way of illustration. When you, can everybody see my Bible right here? See, it's got some markings on it. See, it's all worn out, falling apart. You know what I'm saying? I look like I love God, don't I? I love him. Look at all these marks. I'm just so deep and spiritual. So you would think by looking at this, by looking at a marked up Bible, you could tell my affection. But this is actually, this right here is my bank statement. And right here shows detailed moments of when I went to Starbucks and when I paid my iPhone bill, praise God. And then when we went out to eat the other night, and when you look at all of this, our, what we have to understand is that God is not saying marked up Bibles are the primary place that we can tell if you have affection for him. He's saying, I can look right here and see your love because where your treasure is, your heart is. And so this is the x-ray machine to your heart is your bank statement. I see where he's going. I see what you're talking about. I'm only repeating what he says. I'm only repeating what the Lord says. That if you really want to get down to your true root affections, you will see your heart. And so as your money goes, so goes your heart. There's a saying in, in criminal justice, if you follow the money, you'll find, you know, who's ever at the top. And in this way, if you follow the money, if you follow the money trail, you'll find your heart. Just follow it. See exactly where your money is going. Now, the Lord cannot have total access to your heart until he has total access to your treasure. He can't have total access to your heart until he has total access to your treasure. Now, well, I'm going to say that later. Let me refocus. There's so many things I want to say. I just want to, I want to preach this. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm not afraid to talk about money. I really not. I'm not afraid about talk about sex. I'm not afraid to talk about any of this. Because it's what God says. So this is what he says too. Look at this. Luke 
chapter 16, verse, chapter 16, verse 13, look what he says. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other, but you can't serve God and money. So he shows money as a master. One, as we use the imagery of having chains, one that can be ruling and reigning over your life. And he says you can't serve them both. And it, you would think that God would say, man, I, God is in a rivalry with the devil. But that's not what he's saying here. What he's really getting at is money can so get to our affections and consumerism can so drive our hearts that really there can be a rivalry with God for things. You know, this is football season. It's awkward when someone's a Giants and a Jets fan, is it not? There might be some of you in the house that are like that. All right, praise God. It's awkward if you are a Yankees and a Mets fan. I mean, really what people say is choose. Which one will you follow? It's impossible what he's saying to serve both God and money because there's a rivalry there. Both of them want your time. Both of them want your energy. Both of them want your affection. And both of them want your service. Money wants you to be thinking about it all the time. Wants you to be burdened about it. Your thoughts would always be on it. How to get it. How to attain it. It wants not just your bank account. It's always going for your heart. It wants your service. Your thought life. And so money is a master. And if we can learn how to have our affections more to God than money, then really we can set ourselves free. Free from the power of capitalism and materialism. Free from the power of fear around finances. And free to serve the Lord. And so he says it, is, it has mastery. And there is a rivalry there. The very, the very marketing dollars that are spent every day are to get you to want things that you can't afford. To get you to dream about things that should not be a dream for you. And if it is a dream, it should be something that you should work your way towards much longer down the road. And because we want it immediately, we find ourselves wanting, hungering for things that we cannot attain. And so he says there is this rivalry that we must, must, must focus on one or the other. But you can't do both. You can't. You can't serve God and money. Now, if there is a part of you that says, man, why are we talking about money in church? Why, why, why don't we just kind of just give, do, the, do a workshop, you know, and then we can just move on. If you want money and God to be separate, you probably are doing okay financially then. Because the minute you start to struggle, your money becomes a prayer request. Total surrender is not difficult when you're broke. It's hard when you think you have. And so what we're saying here is we just want God to have access to us and we want him to have total control of who we are, and part of who we are is how we handle our money. And we cannot deny that. 
We have to have the freedom to, to talk about this. Now, what I want in my heartbeat for um, this series is before you, I, I really want us to have a heart of application in this series. So before we can jump into other texts and look at how we should honor God in our finances, which we're going to talk about next week, the first thing we need to have is awareness. We need to look at where we're at financially. You need to know where your money's going every week. So my prayer this week is that you would actually look around, either look at your last bank statement or track what you're doing weekly and just ask yourself, where is my money going on a daily basis? Just track it. Now, some people track, they get like QuickBooks and they have different applications on the web or you just look and you write notes or you can look back at a month ago and you can look at what do you spent your money on in the past. But at the end of the day, we need to know where it's going. Now, here's what I would encourage you to do. I would encourage you to be like a private eye. Just spy out on yourself. No condemnation, no guilt, no shame. The grace of God covers us for everything we bought when we know we shouldn't have bought it. All those things are past issues. What we're saying is we just need to be aware of where our money goes. And so what I want to encourage you to do is spy on it. Spy on your money. Look at it. Look in very detailed accounts. I was sitting down with a couple one time. And as I sat with them, I began to ask them, listen, tell me how much, how much do you give here? How much do you give here? Just tell me the situation. And I was amazed at how they were just kind of clueless. They just kind of did bills and bills were enough. They just got all the bills out the way and everything else was kind of like just walking in the dark. And if that's our principle of finances, to just walk in the dark, I can tell you somewhere we're completely out of balance. And so some of this will take courage to just look, to honestly just sit down with your wife or sit down by yourself and look and begin to be honest with yourself about where you're at financially. Now, this is, um, this is going to be my, my real pitch to you. Um, I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. I, I truly don't want this to be about giving more to our church. I want this to be about you and your family and your children. Now you say, many of you are single and you're like, what are you talking about? Your financial rules will be passed down to your children. If you never talk about money with your kids, you're leaving them clueless. If you never talk about supporting missionaries overseas, if you never talk about giving to the church, if you never cultivate a spirit of generosity, you will create a spirit of entitlement in your children. And so what will happen is when the parents don't have spiritual rules in finances, the kids don't. And so this debt kind of lifestyle that is being lived by many of us happens because we just don't talk about it. 
And there aren't any governing principles to operate by. And so you can break chains of generational issues that, you, that were passed down to you because many of you didn't start with a lump sum that your family was able to pass down to you because there was the savings. You had to work hard on your own or you're having to work hard now. And my prayer is that you could, do, you could live in such a way where you could store up for generations in the future. I want you to trust God with every area of your life. Every area of your life. And I want you to experience God's faithfulness financially. I want you to experience his faithfulness. I am promising you, I want something for you and not from you. Now, my wife and I, I'll never forget, we were, and now this analogy may take you off, but I just, I just have to tell you my story. My wife and I, one year, I was working at a company. It was a nonprofit organization. While I was working there, I was making $50,000 a year. My wife was making $60,000 a year. She was working for a nonprofit company. We were both 26 and 27 years old. We felt so good about ourselves, living in Raleigh. We bought a house. We felt comfortable, praise God. And our church challenged us to begin to give. We gave, we started giving financially because we looked at our money not as our own, but as a stewardship. As we gave our money, I will never forget, I walked into my office one day and I got an email from my boss that said, this month we will not be receiving checks. And I was like, oh, because they, they don't have my address. That's the issue. Like, we're not receiving checks. Why aren't we receiving checks, right? They said, we're not receiving checks anymore. And I understood in that moment the meaning of nonprofit organization. In that moment, I realized that financially the company was out of money. And so the, the $50,000 that I thought I was going to make two months before when I got that promotion, I lost. So now we are depending on my wife and her money. And, and I remember I ended, up, I ended up getting a job at the YMCA and I was uh, just... I was, like, I was like a cleanup guy and I helped people like in the gym. And so, I, so now I went from $50,000 a year to $675 an hour. So things changed really quick. And my wife and I, we looked at each other and we were like, what are we going to do now? I said, let's follow the same game plan that we've always followed. We'll take off the top. Give to the Lord what we can. We're going to give 10% of what we have now. We're going to give it. And we're going to still serve God. We're going to still serve faithfully. So 50000 went to six seventy-five. Hallelujah. Right? Things changed. And I remember for five months, I was looking for a job, another job. And I'm, I'm just struggling. I'm just struggling. And we were like, how are we going to make ends meet? Now, I'm not saying tithe so that you can't pay your bills, that kind of thing. No, we were just like, how are we going to make it? And in that time, that five-month period, my wife got a $20,000 raise. That $20,000 raise ended up being able to pay all of our bills so much so, and we just made it over the top because I was making six seventy-five dollars an hour. And I remember my wife said, how did this all happen? And, she, and, and I remember we looked at each other, and I think, I said, man, I think it's because God is showing his faithfulness to us. He's showing that when we trust him, he will bless us. 
He's showing us that, baby. It's, see, I think we, we've been caught up in this thing where I got excited that I was making 50000 and you got excited that you were making 60000 and we thought we were big and bad because we were young and we had money. But this is what I'm telling you, baby. I think that we've learned something. It, it's not about getting more. It's about managing what we have. And then if we follow God's plan, He'll bless us. He'll bless us. And we're blessed, sweetheart. And part of the problem in our country is that blessing has always been tied to increase. But where blessing comes is through faithfulness. Blessing is always found in the scriptures through faithfulness. By doing your best with what you have and following God's plan with what you have and not trying to just get more, but trying to get into his presence, trying to do what he says, that's God's plan. And so when I say I want something for you, I want you to feel the experience of trusting God in the one place that no one else is saying this. No one else is saying this. They're making jingles. Do you understand? They're making songs to get you to spend stuff. I mean, that's all the plan. Anybody here in marketing knows what's up? So you can remember it and think about it and, and, and say you need it. Everything is coming at you to say you need this. And so it goes from want to need. Think about the things you thought last five years ago that you just, you thought you wanted. And now there are things you say, I have to have. And it's because you've been told that. <laughs> you've been told that. And there are people who sit in rooms for hours to get you to want things you don't really want and make those things needs in your life now. And this is all I'm saying. God, when you come here and you say, I need you, but then you go out there and say, I need that, both can't happen. <laughs> he is either primary in our affections, all that we truly need, or we just, or there are things that accommodate the life that we say we have to have. In other words, he is either, it's either Jesus and, or Jesus enough. And our finances always question that. If he's enough. I want you to be free to go where God wants you to go and do what he wants you to do and give what he wants you to give. I want you to be secure financially. And, and that happens when you know where your money is going and you, you begin to save and you have a plan. And we're going to talk about that. But I want you to be content. I want you to be content financially. I want you to have a vision of finances that has may, may have never been given to you, but I pray that God would give you that vision and that heart. This is about your heart. This is about your heart. This is not about a bank statement. This is about your heart. It's about you and God. It's about you trusting Him. And so this week, I, I encourage you, sit down, print out your bank statement. And just like you would go through the scriptures and say, hmm, what is that word? And you're highlighting it. Begin to look at your bank statement and say, man, what does this say about my affection? 
What does this say about my devotion? Make that your first step in this series. And then as we talk about other aspects of the series, we'll walk that along, along there. But it is not enough for me to say these things and you to agree, you, amen, that's so true. And you never examine your finances. And so we will have a, we are talking about um, in October, uh, talking about having a workshop where you can actually sit down and learn about budgeting and things like that. But these are big principles that you just have to live by. Even if you're not a good budgeter, that's, that's not the issue. The issue is doing the best you can with what God has given you. That's my heart for you. That's the heart of this series. I want to do something um, as we, we get ready to close and as we kind of set the table for this series. My prayer is that if you're not involved in a city group, my prayer is that you would go this week to one. And much of our conversation in the city group is going to be around what you discovered when you looked through your finances. Now, you don't have to tell your whole story and all that, but, but my prayer is that you would begin to talk to other people and not make your money so private. Begin to talk about what you're seeing when you look at your account and begin a conversation and live in community in this area. So I pray you get to a city group. But even before that, as we get ready to sing, my prayer is, is that you would just look up to God and you would just tell him you trust him. That you trust him. To say you trust him with everything and, and money is not a part of that conversation conflicts with what this scripture just told us. In fact, the scripture is really telling us that the beginning of me knowing where your heart is, is looking at your treasure. And the real treasure, the real treasure is Jesus. That's what we want to treasure. That's our real treasure. That's what we should long for. That's all we really want. How about we do this? Let's stand real quick. As we have the worship team come up. Just want to pray. Heavenly Father, as we give ourselves to you, I pray, God, that you would give us, even now, a courage to look into the money that we have. I pray for, Heavenly Father, a, uh, just a skillfulness as we, as we sit and we look at, at where we're at financially. This is really not about the fact that we have to pay rent and things are tough, that may, be, that may be the case for a lot of people in here. But the first step is just seeing, are there places that my money really should not be going? Are there places that I am giving to and things that I'm getting because I'm living a dream? Help us to live in reality, God. Help us to live in reality. Help us to live in reality. And so we give ourselves to you, God. We give ourselves to you. And I pray, God, that people would experience your faithfulness. Oh, God, let them experience your faithfulness. Let them experience the trust 
that we have in you. And make us a generous church, God. Generosity in our hearts. Let us experience the generosity that you've given us on the cross where you poured out your grace to us and you did not account to us all those things that we had done against you. You looked at our account and you put grace all across our balance sheet and we look at you and we say thank you because you've been so graceful to us and our life now is about gratitude. It is not just about giving, it is having a heart of gratitude of what you've done on the cross. And so God, I pray against all fear of finances, but I, all, I also pray against, against all greed. I pray for generosity. I pray against entitlement. I pray for freedom and I pray against all shackles. I pray against every element of debt that has so weighed us down because the Bible is so clear, the borrower will be slave to the lender. And so God, I just pray for a sense of freedom in our church, in the area of our finances. We cannot, we cannot be free spiritually until we've addressed our financial situation. We cannot be free spiritually until we have addressed our financial situation. And so God, let us not be afraid to enter into this conversation. Let us not be afraid of looking at where we're at. Because wherever we're at, there's grace for us there. Wherever we are at, you meet us right where we're at. You called a tax collector out of a tree who had been hoarding all that he had ever had and you wanted to be with him. God does not want us to, it's not that God wants to be with our money. He wants us to be with him. It's not that he just wants to get our money. He wants to get us. The scriptures rarely talk about Jesus saying, give money. But what he does is he warns about how our money can get us. How fear of money and the lust and love for money. And so God, I just pray, I just pray for an anointing over this church. I pray for an anointing over this church, God, of freedom financially. I pray for a level of trust financially with you, God. I pray that we would see you intimately in this area. I pray that as we look at those bank statements and all those things, God, I pray that there would be such a deep trust in you, such a deep trust in you. We would look, no shame, no shame, no shame. The shame has been taken away on the cross, no shame. Just freedom, just freedom of the Holy Spirit. And so God, I just, I just pray blessing, blessing over this church, blessing over these people, freedom, freedom that the Spirit gives. In Jesus' name we pray.